Design Talk with your host, Bethany James said. Ever wondered the story behind the design industry leaders who have made it to the top? There's always a story behind a tall poppy. I'm Bethany James, founder of luxury retailer James Said, and I'm here to discover the stories behind the people who have made it to the top of the design world. Today I'm talking to Tanya Buchanan, the editor of House and Garden magazine and also the former editor of Bell. Hey Tanya, thank you for joining me. Thanks Bethany, thanks for having me. What I wanted to chat to you today is not so much about the everyday life of Tanya the editor, it was more about the journey of how Tanya got to become the editor. So take me right back to the beginning, so maybe back to tenure in high school. Okay, well, yes, it's a, it's probably a different... I mean, everybody has a different journey in their career than what you expect, probably. Mm-hmm. So um, I went to school in Brisbane. I went to Aspley High School. I think I told you my alumni that I know of are Greg Norman and Lee Sales, apparently. Uh-huh. So I don't know who... I'm sure there are lots of uh, students doing very well from uh, that school. I mean, I don't know so much about um, whether I got a great education out of there, but um, I certainly had a desire to succeed. So um, hopefully the schooling there served its purpose. Um, But I think more, what determined more that um, I I was always ambitious, I think, and that's probably come from family, I would say. So what did your parents do? Um, My father had his own business and still does. He has a tennis court construction business, but um, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents and I think uh, my grandfather, Fred, was a great influence. He was a great writer and poet and also quite entrepreneurial in growing things and I used to, but he wasn't a very good front man so he would make me sell things for him at markets and uh, things like that and I always got a, I got a cut of the take from uh, an early age which uh, made me appreciate commerce as well. So what sort of things would you be selling at the market? Well he would uh, he would grow all these passion fruit he lived with us for uh, quite a bit of time towards the end of his life he'd grow passion fruit and things and he wouldn't want to sell it to anybody so I'd ring the local okay. uh, the local fruit and veg and decide on a price and yeah and then I'd get a cut of that so I learned fairly early if you have a lot of jobs uh-huh. you have money and money is very handy it gives you independence so um, and then I had lots of part-time jobs as, when I was um, in high school. I worked for um, friends of my parents who had one of the first kind of, I guess, diffusion fashion label warehouses before the big things like DFOs. They were from Melbourne and they were in the yeah. rag trade and they had a lot of Australian brands. And yeah. I remember I would get for four hours work $13.40. Uh, That's a good pay because <laughs> I was Hungry Jacks and I was $4.80. See? <laughs> oh, no, this was $13.40 for four hours. Oh. But I remember always handing the money back anyway because I'd always find something that I wanted to buy, clothes, because I spent four hours hanging them up. So, but that's a cool after-school job. That was a good job. That was Thursday nights and Saturday mornings. What else? And I worked in cafes when I was at uni, and um, yeah, just and also tutored when I was at uni. Okay, so from high school, then I went to I studied journalism at University of Queensland, did an arts degree with journalism. And so, when was it that you decided that? that was a career path you'd like to take? I think in probably maybe year 11 or 12, I had a fantastic English teacher in, must have been year 11, I don't think he was there for year 12, uh, Gary Crew. He ended up um, going on to become a really well um, regarded children's writer or sort of teen, tweens. Um, he was actually at uni doing his master's when I got there, but he was really pivotal, pivotal in uh, making me concentrate. He was the best English teacher. I remember him coming in and saying, we're going to study 
popular culture as well as the classics and novels and my class is going to be so interesting that any if any of you misbehave you know I know that I've failed and it was great what a great teacher yeah. isn't it amazing how much impact a fantastic teacher oh, can have it's it's unbelievable and you see it I've, I saw it with my son's education too you see that one teacher can really change things and uh, you know so we one of the things that's probably in common with I know that you've also interviewed Greg Natale and he was inspired by uh, we called it dynasty but dynasty and uh -huh. we studied dynasty as one of our uh you know popular culture um you know doing a soap opera in those days was kind of unheard of that yeah. you would study that in English and I mean I know everything's so much more deconstructed and loose in English now but that was uh yeah, that was very he was very inspiring that so made it fun that made it fun yeah. and so that really made me concentrate on English and I felt like I did want to uh pursue some kind of writing career uh -huh. Um, so what kind of journalist did you imagine yourself being? It's funny, I only could really think of working for a newspaper probably yeah. um, or I didn't really, and even though I loved magazines since mm -hmm. I was tiny, I remember getting subscriptions when I was a kid to English magazines and then the US mags when I was older, um, it didn't really occur to me that I could go and work for a magazine. It was more about working probably in a newspaper was probably in my mind, I think. So when you finished uni, what was your lucky break? What was your first job? Well, I was trying to get a cadetship and it was 1988 and there weren't many or there were also lots of talented people who took up the cadetships who were probably, you know, had more of a fire in their belly about investigative journalism than I did. Mm -hmm. So I, my first job was for a property development company in Brisbane called REM. They built the Maya Centre there and another very ambitious project for the time called McQuirter's Marketplace uh -huh. based on these markets in the States. Um, it was, I mean, that was so 30 years ago, so... It was ambitious then. I don't even know if it would work in Brisbane now, but I was very And what lucky. was the job? What did you actually have to do? I was promotions coordinator. Okay. But what I got to do, because I was young and they had so much um, happening and I was keen to do whatever, um, you know, it was really the kind of place I think everybody who was in there at the time got to do a lot more than they might have in a traditional environment. So the Maya Centre had this great um, Butler's Gourmet Emporium, which was, you know, mm -hmm. the five-star deli of Brisbane of the day and lots of great food and wine events. So I did some promotions and PR on that. And then they were building McQuirter's Marketplace, so I got to take the media through on the tours, through mm -hmm. the construction site, write some of the PR. And also, very fortunately, and you wouldn't think this would happen in that job, I got to work on some of the design pieces um, with the architects they had out from Boston, which was mainly just sourcing signage and old photographs for some of the murals and things, but I found it really interesting, that design. So was that when the when design first became an interest of yours? No, I think I was always interested in that and my mother and father built their own house and were, you know, into design. So mm -hmm. I feel like I was always interested in it, but yeah. um, that made me like doing that in that first job. It, you know, I was drawn to it. It's a great first job though because there was so mm. many different aspects to it. So you, yes. I mean, great, great base to learn from. Great base to learn from. I managed yeah. to get into a fair bit of trouble too. You know, you learn, you, you get, you know, we, we'd, we'd have events with media and be leading them up to this construction site where we would have set everything up beautifully and then I remember I forgot to put the signs downstairs and getting in so much strife for that but something you know that you never forget and your attention to detail gets honed through all of those uh -huh. um, 
experiences. And that's why you end up in the job that you're in now. It's all the experience you've had over the years and knowing how to dot, dot, your, um, dot your I's and cross your T's so that these things don't happen. And so only experience can actually... Well, that's right. And you would find that in your business. I mean, there yeah. are just things that become innate they're second nature yeah you know how to solve a problem because you've been there before you know who to pick yeah. up the phone to yeah. so it's yeah. handy once that all clicks in absolutely <laughs> yeah. so after this job what what, what was next? So I went overseas for six months, so did the typical kind of Australian thing, mm-hmm. I guess, and went to um, London and then Europe and travelled around for six months. Uh-huh. We were backpacking. Which was great. Yeah, backpacking. Yeah. I stayed in, you know, some hostels and little hotels and I was with a group of friends and, you know, we explored a lot and that was fantastic. And then I came back to Australia. It was 1990 and, yeah, there weren't... It was that real recession period. So mm-hmm. I was looking for a job in Brisbane, went back to Brisbane and didn't find anything there. So then took a job for um, a Heritage Building Society in Toowoomba as their marketing officer. So another marketing job, which was really good experience too. So it was a lot of dealing with the general public at events and they did lots of things around uh, Southeast Queensland. So I got to go and be the face of um, the building society if we were doing an event in a shopping center or community event, so. So most of what you did straight out of uni really was to do with writing for marketing purposes right. as, a, as opposed to actually journalism or writing stories. That's right. Yeah. And I mean still today, you know, writing f- um, as I do for interiors magazines is not the same as, you know, writing a really heavy-hitting article for a newspaper. But, I mean, even though there are fantastic design writers who are so well qualified, I wouldn't put myself in that... Um, I wouldn't put myself in that category. I feel like I'm a a good all-rounder but Mm. not um, I'm definitely not a I wouldn't say I'm a specialist so um, but I think that's that's helpful in terms of um, the magazines I've worked on and I think one of the strengths is you've got to be able to recognize who are the specialists and who are great at don't you find that as a in your business just finding out who can do things for you is really absolutely so with my business I, I I don't design I mean I design room settings but I represent a portfolio of brands so for me I, I have to look for the inspiration of the brands that I'm carrying and then mm. I look to make sure that they're constantly going to be releasing new and inspiring products and so it's my job job to deliver that and to communicate that back to my customers so this is what this is the you know what's coming in this is what's the next big thing and here it is and I need to communicate it to you so you understand it which is similar to what you're doing that's right and also just working with people who are really good and Mm -hmm. I think that's another thing that you learn along the way that there's no point in trying to keep you know try and do everything yourself because Uh you have to delegate and you have to recognize what um, people's strengths are and um, and what your strengths aren't yeah, and what your own aren't yeah, absolutely sure. uh, I know for me when I, I, I look for staff it's all about employing the skill sets that I do not have yeah so uh so you traveled and then you came back then and then you landed a new job. job yes and then I got married very young I got married when I was 23 and I moved to Canberra that is young yes I was young yeah. mm, may not have been the best move but anyway um I moved to Canberra with my husband who was working for Lenlace he had a great job so yeah. that meant finding another job Mm -hmm. and so then I went into another marketing job which was at the big shopping centre there called Tuggeranong Hyperdome which was another great experience of doing 
everything. So from the casual leasing to introducing the children's entertainment, Willy Wombat on Saturday mornings, to doing the ads, the weekly ads that went in the paper and the PR for various things. Mm -hmm. um, and it was also good in terms of management because you dealt with the centre management, but also yeah. all the tenants and the public. So uh, shopping centre management is actually a very good place to um, understand business and people skills because you're dealing with so, you know, there's the public on one level, yes. but then the tenants who are paying rent to be in there and they want everything to be perfect for them, as yes. you would know as a tenant when you ever lease buildings yeah, or... Yeah. I was just thinking that as you were speaking, like with all of your jobs, you've really been involved in the the business aspect of mm. them, you mm. know, as opposed to just being a journalist that's writing, you're, you're writing, you're promoting, you're marketing, but you're also uh, right in the firing line of cre creating a result. So it's good. I think that's been really good and that yeah. makes me um, always interested in the financial outcome of mm. what I work on. I feel like that to me... I want to be creative and have a great product, but to me, it's also got to be successful. You know, financial. Well, you're working for a company, and because they in want any you business you do, results. it's about it's about yep. making money. So mm. it's always got to be about that end result. I mean, the journey yeah. is there too, but it's got to it's got to produce a profit. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. So after that job, um, I was very fortunate to get a job at the Canberra Times. But again, not in editorial, in promotions, mm. and they had lots of things on, lots of community events, writers' competitions. But it was great to be close to you know you've got contact with the editorial team mm -hmm. the community very good to be part of a big newspaper in yeah. a in a city which was fantastic then I came to Sydney and worked for a below the line uh, marketing business I guess you call it a branding um, and company and they dealt mainly with big travel clients okay. so I was an account manager there and worked on brands like Cunard and um, airlines and various uh, travel things so writing and and being a, a you know client liaison mm. person there so so where into this did you become a mum? <laughs> okay, so there, that was, I, I um, got pregnant at that job at Enterprise Marketing and uh, left there to have my son Fergus, who's now 20. Um, and then I was just doing kind of freelance and writing from home, um, thinking that I could just look after the baby all day and then work at night. It doesn't work like that, work. no. <laughs> that ends up being very stressful and yes. crash and burn kind of thing. But yeah. um, one of my clients that we'd had at Enterprise Marketing, uh, RM Williams Outback Magazine, had been started by Paul Myers with a, in joint venture with RM Williams, and he had a, uh, some backers, um, offered me a job. So I went and worked there and put my son in a uh, really good daycare when he was about 11 months old. Started off part-time and then, of course, these things always end up full-time. That job was fantastic because it sort of encompassed everything that has been really helpful in what I've ended up doing because I worked on some sales, advertising sales, I worked on subscriptions, mm -hmm. sort of there it was a tiny team, was doing really well yeah. um, and you kind of got, again, to do everything. And then I did some one shots for RM Williams after that with Paul. We did some books, RM Williams classics books and then he became publisher of the Bulletin at ACP and met Neil Whitaker, who was the editor of okay. Bell magazine. And he was just in the lift with him and said, oh, how are you, you know, how is it going? And Neil said, oh, I've actually got some stuff, you know, he's trying to work out his team. And so uh, Paul rang me and said, you need to get your, 
your uh, details to Neil Whitaker straight away, blah, blah, blah. And so I had a couple of coffees with Neil and he put me on at Bell on a three-month contract as a managing editor and um, after three months employed me full-time. So Wow. So you really jumped straight into magazines. It's not like you had a long history of that. But, you know, on reflection of... But they'd been in my... In all those jobs they'd been, I'd either booked advertising or done PR for them Uh or something. So it was all... It was there. It but I can see how all the jobs outside of that direct magazine world really gave you the skill set to make you an employee that would be of value mm. to Bell Magazine, having experienced from, you know, being uh, the person who's booking the advertising to the person who's doing the PR. I mean, you've been on all sides of the fences, mm. so it gives you that broader uh, experience. And I think that's what you need to look at when you're hiring people. Um, I think that now when um, I look at, you know, if a, co- a coordinated position or something like that in a business, you know, we've had some great success with people who have who've been to uni, but they've been working yeah. at um, JB Hi-Fi, for example, because they're dealing with everyone from the general public. Yeah. They're knowing how to handle people, mm-hmm. handle transactions, work in a fast-paced environment. Yeah. But on that note, how important do you think it is uh, if somebody wanted to, you know, become work for a magazine? How important do you think it is that they do have a tertiary education on that? I think if you want to go and study at university, it's a great opportunity. I think university teaches you how to learn, you know, or what you want to learn. But I don't think it's 100% necessary. I believe that you could... I mean, when you're looking at resumes, are you are you ticking that box? No, It's not important to you? Because I, I, I don't either. No. Yeah. I look at everything and I think also you can start your job and... You know, not everybody can even afford to go to university. It depends on their family circumstances, depends on a lot of things. But if you um, are keen and you want to go and start working, then you can also then later do university part-time or, you know, maybe your career just takes off and you do other courses more... Um, related to what you're you're doing. Yeah, because it seems to me, I mean, if you're really passionate about a certain career and you know what you want to do, then it's very worthwhile to go and study for that. But mm. if, you, if you're not yeah. really sure, it seems to me like it could be a big debt yep. and a big waste of and your time because quite often people come out of uni and don't even go into a career in that field, that's which right. seems crazy. I think that's yeah. right. And I, feel, and I think that point you just made about, it, I think that most amazing um what a gift if you know what you want to go and do and so if you want to go and be you know a doctor or you know an engineer or whatever well then of course you have to go and study that and you know so you're you're going in and hopefully that's going to work out for you but I agree so listening to you know your career progression and, and the different jobs that you went on to you know that sounds as though it was really smooth sailing so what would you what would you say would you say that were the times which really helped you to build resilience like were there any situations where you would just be in bed at night just completely stressed out of your mind lots I yeah. think over the years I think you're right I think saying that it sounds really smooth but I've always got you know stressed or anxious at mm-hmm. work and deadlines and and I mean I think as I've got older I've got a bit better about dealing with that yeah. um but I'd say probably when I had left and or before I left and had Fergus I thought I was probably just getting to the point where I would go to another level um and and I remember getting a raise and then having to say oh but I'm sorry I'm pregnant and you You know um I did it until 
you know, I went on maternity leave and, yeah. um, you know, there wasn't maternity leave then. I, I think I had three weeks holiday pay or something. Yeah, right. Um, so I feel like those things, you sort of feel you're a certain level and I think this is a real challenge um, mm-hmm. for women. So in your role as editor, so you would have the time that you would spend in your office. My observation from you from the outside is that your commitments as being editor outside the office are huge. So I think what? it's really increased. Yeah, it's really increased a lot over the last, definitely in the last, I've been, um, it's Bauer Media now, it was ACP when I started there for the last 12 years. There's a lot of, and I understand this from a client uh, perspective, mm-hmm. there's a lot of commitments with um, advertising clients. Yes. Um, you know, all our clients now also want uh, content, you know, they want content involvement, mm-hmm. they would want, would like you to be at events presenting. Mm-hmm. Um, and also if they're supporting us, we're definitely, you know, there to be out there to, to support them. So. so your role is more than just being the editor of the magazine, you're also really is about promoting the advertisers, you're regularly an MC. Do you, do you get nervous doing that sort of thing? I'm usually pretty good, mm-hmm. um, but it will sometimes just catch you and yes. it'll be something that you least expect that you would get nervous about I don't know it's the funniest thing because you're an excellent public speaker thank you yes. but I think it's that sometimes you can, uh, the biggest things I'm usually fine you know things that I should be like when I was at Bell and we did the interior design awards and you've got the whole industry the you know cream of the crop in the room mm-hmm. and there's a lot of pressure and sponsors and everything for some reason I'd usually be fine and that's adrenaline but sometimes I'll be doing some little thing and I'll get really worried about it before I go on but um yeah, no, usually it, it's fine and I I think I had just have some weird thing where I just sort of take myself to another place and what can you do? You go on there and it's not just you usually, there are other people up there with you mm-hmm. or and I often think, well, is everyone in the audience actually listening to this? Some of them are probably doing their shopping lists, yeah. some are thinking about <laughs> what they're doing tomorrow, some are probably stressing about their work. So um, I think you just have to be brave in those moments, you don't do. you? I you think have so. to step up and be brave and, and, and just and go just for go it. And do your best. And yeah, yeah. I mean, because you don't want to let, especially if you're doing something for a client or, um, you know, somebody's asked you to do something, you don't mm-hmm. want to let anybody down. So. Yeah. I guess, and it's easy to say, and you don't always have time, but the best thing to do is to try and be as prepared as possible. Even if I don't have a lot of notes, I've usually read about the what, you know, the person, mm-hmm. the company. Because I notice it seems to me like you can just speak off the cuff, like your microphone's in your hand and you just chat. But usually I've written notes or something before and mm-hmm. read things so there'll be something that I can go back to in, yeah. you know, in my mind. It won't just be <laughs> usually, yeah. not just off the, you know, like... Um, yeah, there's usually something that I've read that I can. So you're prepared remember. for that. Yeah, I don't swap, but I, if I've got something that's coming up, I usually just research them quickly, um, see what's been happening with that company lately, and. So how many hours do you think you would work a week? Um, I don't know because I feel like now, I mean, it, this is you know so much part of my life. Like your business is part of yours. Yeah. So I'm always thinking about... Um, it does, there's, not a, there's not a line where it starts. No. And, uh, and I yeah. love that because I think that, to me, is a true yeah. um, marker of that you really enjoy your career. And that you're passionate. And you're passionate and yeah. it's your life. Like, yeah. I mean, 
I just, I go home and I want to uh, re-juge everything and um, that's a problem, I don't have enough time. But yeah. it's also like when I read the magazine and when we get our decorating shoots back and everything, I'm looking at it, um, not just from an editorial point of view, but I am looking at it as a shopper, as a reader, yeah. um, because I'm thinking, oh, this looks great, I want to buy that. And when I'm reading something and I'm also looking it up, I'm thinking, okay... It's working And on it me. comes through in the magazine. Mm. That really, really shows. You know, it was your issues of Belle that I just became such a fan of and um, I, I treasured them. I think you have to think of yourself as the them. client. Yeah. I mean, you probably do that in your um, business. Mm. It's, I feel like you've got to look at what you would, what you're going to buy, what you would like. And you can't have everything your, your, to your taste. I think that's the other thing with a magazine. You've got to actually have um, an eclectic mix because your taste certainly my taste certainly isn't going to be everybody's but um then you also have to know that that the quality's there and even if you you wouldn't have it yourself it is something that you would you think your readers would your be interested readers would in. like and it's quality yeah. and you would support it so what inspires you what inspires me? Oh, I think, um, you know, it's, it's always that cliched answer yeah. that everybody gives, which I don't want to do, but uh, definitely travel. Um, and, I mean, how great was I just saw you in Paris, and yes. Paris and London were amazing, and yes. there's just so much to see. Travel is huge for me too. It's travel. a really important part of my yeah. inspiration. Exhibitions, just going to, you know, just yeah. going to galleries anywhere and yeah. um, um, art architects interior designers but yeah. but you know also people doing amazing things in retail I actually spent yeah. a bit of time in London because I think the retail there is great yeah. um, and I feel like this whole business with um, in design with publishing and retail and the interior designers and the architects we really all do need to um, support ourselves uh, support each other because it's a huge investment for you I know bricks and mortar and bringing yeah. pieces into the country and they're now architects and interior designers using you know they've got the same issues they've got staff costs and you want them to use a mix of products here and overseas yeah. and and then we're um unfortunately we're not the ABC so we also need to make money yeah. but I feel like it is a real circle that um of, of supporting the industry to keep it to keep it alive yeah agreed um, well Tanya you inspire me so <laughs> oh, thank, thank you. you so much for chatting with me today I really appreciated knowing your story thank you Bethany thank you for having me it's a pleasure don't miss out on the next episode of design talk subscribe to keep up to date